Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to talk to you about MIT Investment Management Company, also known as Matimco, the investment office of MIT. Each year, Matimco invests with a handful of new emerging managers who it believes can earn exceptional long-term returns in support of MIT's mission. In order to help the emerging manager community more broadly, they created EmergingManagers.org, a website for emerging manager stock pickers. For those looking to start a stock picking fund or those just looking to learn about how others have done it, I highly recommend this site. You'll find essays and interviews by successful emerging managers, service providers used by MIT's own fund managers, essays Matimco has written for emerging stock pickers, and more. Matimco also occasionally and opportunistically hires new members for their investment team. To view the job description, please visit matimco.org global investor. That's M-I-T-I-M-C-O dot O-R-G slash global investor. The Matimco team spends their time learning about great businesses and investments, working with exceptional investors around the world in order to support generations of MIT innovators. This episode of Value Hive is brought to you by Tegas. If you enjoy listening to Value Hive, you'll love the Tegas product. Tegas has the world's largest collection of instantly available expert interviews on all the public and private companies that you care about. All you have to do is log in. So if you're tired of high cost and time consuming expert research calls, give Tegas a try and see for yourself why many of the most trusted and well-respected hedge funds, mutual funds, family offices, allocators, and VCs rely on Tegas to scale their expert research and to get the critical information they need faster than ever. You can sign up for a free trial at tegas.co forward slash value hive. That's tegas.co forward slash value hive. And as a personal anecdote, I use Tegas literally every single day. It's the first resource I use when I start researching uh, a new investment, and it's one of the last things I do uh, before I finish up rounding out my research, and I know you'll love it as much as I do. Hey guys, this week I'm excited to share with you my conversation with Natalie uh, Sinyard. She is a behavioral economist working on burnout, rebuilding, de and designing uh, your life, both professionally and personally, for well-being. Uh, she uh, went to the University of Oxford, now based out of New York City, and she runs a behavioral economist consulting group called Cadence Behavioral. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can find the link in the bio. You can also find a link to her Twitter account in the bio. Uh, this conversation was a great way to kick off the year um, because burnout is something very personal to me, something I've dealt with and, and still continue to struggle with uh, to this day. And um, you know, some days it's better than others, but it is a constant struggle. And so if you are struggling with burnout and you're listening to this, whether you're in you know the first stages of burnout or you feel like you're about to, you know, can't, can't do any more and you're in the final fourth stage, uh, this episode is for you. And I really hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Thanks. All right, Natalie, this is an episode that we've had in the works for a couple weeks. I was sick, you were sick, we swapped <laughs> illnesses, and now we're here. Uh, Happy New first, Year, yeah. Yeah, my, my, my first official, you know, in per person interview, I've, this, this will be the second podcast of the year, um, and we're gonna dive into burnout and how to avoid it, what it looks like, what are the symptoms, um, and I think it's a perfect way to start the year because, this is something um, I struggle with in a sense where I have the mentality of just go, go, go. And if I get worn down, just keep going, right? Mm -hmm. The, you know, the, uh, the grind mentality is, as, mm -hmm. as some people like to call it, but uh, I'm, I'm 
all for hearing why I'm wrong and why I should, <laughs> you know, stop having some of that mentality. So um, to start this conversation, I'd love to hear how you got into researching burnout and walk us through, you know, your background and why you ended up really falling yeah. in love with this topic. Yeah, certainly. So my background is actually behavioral economics. So like looking at sort of the intersections between psychology and economics and finance. Um, my original interest was actually just purely in like the effect of stress on decision making, um, sort of specifically financial decision making, how it sort of changes the way people evaluate payoffs and risks and things like that. Um, but as I kind of worked more with people in industry um, and even students, like when I was teaching, um, I started to notice that there was actually some quite a sort of recognizable pattern of symptoms and sort of even thought processes that I was sort of hearing the same phrases from people over and over again and you know and then it was really derailing a lot of promising careers that I could see sort of in front of my eyes so I got interested in digging into what was really going on there and you know what burnout actually was as distinct from just exhaustion or depression or just kind of overwork although it's obviously connected to those things. Um, so I started like building a consultancy around that. Um, and then what's been really helpful actually in, is in 2019, the World Health Organization actually defined uh, or classified burnout as being an, an occupational phenomenon. So um, a, a recognizable syndrome associated with work uh, with three distinct characteristics. So they would be, um, the first one will be like feelings of energy depletion and exhaustion. Um, and then also an increased mental distance from other people and also your job as well uh, or, or your, what, what you do for work uh, and kind of feelings of negativity and sort of cynicism around that. And also objectively, uh, you become less effective professionally. So reduce professional efficacy, like you're actually making more mistakes. Um, you're taking longer to do the same things that would have you would have got through much faster in the past. Um, and just sort of procrastination is a, is a big is a big telltale sign. So having that like as a working definition, I really had like something to dive into and actually really start to attack that problem. Um, this this phenomenon of like being this it's really quite a, an interesting state because it's like a state of depletion in all aspects, like physically, cognitively, emotionally, sort of professionally. You're just kind of all your resources are worn out, uh, and so you're running on empty. Would be like a an analogy but um but it's different from exhaustion like i think anyone who's actually experienced it like you know for myself like you know i've, I've run a marathon before and i've also had burnout before and the actual the feeling is quite different so like when you're just physically exhausted there's at least that kind of sense of satisfaction like you kind of know you've done what you actually wanted to do and like even though you're really tired and you couldn't do anything else you can just stop now rest and when you feel better you can pick up again but with burnout there's, there's no sense of satisfaction. Like there's no sense that you've actually come to the end of something worthwhile. And actually a lot of people say that they lose the capacity to rest. They feel mm. tired, but they also feel kind of jittery and like they've got to keep going and um, there's no sort of sense of peace there. Uh, so so all of those things together, I just thought like, you know, this is, this is kind of fascinating, but it's also like a real emergency for a lot of people. Um, and I, I really wanted to get stuck into that. I love the analogy of the marathon because a few years ago, I ran one with a buddy, and um, it 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 makes a lot of sense what you said. And for anybody that's run long distances, I think the example is perfect because when you're done, you know, like like you mentioned, you're exhausted, 
right? Mm-hmm. And I and I ran a marathon, and you know they say that you should train and all that stuff, but the longest I ran before that was like ten miles. Okay. And then I just decided to just go do it. Um, <laughs> but after that, I'm like, I can't move. I'm getting you know cramps, Charlie horses, mm-hmm. in every you know muscle of my body. But I did feel that you know immense satisfaction of like, okay, I can check that off the list. Like right. I've wanted to do that. It's mm-hmm. done. And mm-hmm. burnout, while you know, like a cousin to exhaustion. Yeah. There's that like mental race in your head where in 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 your mind I you're 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 crossing the finish line, but then someone's telling you, Oh, you know, you're halfway. You're actually running <laughs> yeah. a double marathon. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I gotta keep going. And there's there's mm-hmm. that and, and then every time you cross the finish line, it's like, Oh, you gotta keep going, you gotta keep going. And mm-hmm. there's no mental satisfaction. Exactly. Exactly. And and also like there's no there's no physical satisfaction. Like obviously you people can sort of sleep all weekend sometimes when they're in the depths of burnout, but then they they no they don't feel any better. They don't actually feel any rest rest or satisfaction after that. So it's it's pretty unpleasant when you're in the in the depths of it. So when you started diving into the topic, we'll call it, you know, professionally, academically, mm. did you have any beliefs or hypotheses about burnout? Um, that you brought to the table that after studying it and, 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 and seeing it in practice and maybe doing experiments on, um, you know, what burnout looks like, you realized, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like I, my, my conceptions about what burnout was are completely wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, probably a couple of things. I mean, I sort of connected to, to the rest issue, actually. It was, I was surprised by how ineffective rest is just in and of itself. Like I'd kind of, like my sort of working model of burnout had been, sort of based on this like essentially that it was that it was overwork like that that was what was manifesting and that if you just kind of worked less or or stopped then it would sort of right itself but Mm. that's not really that's not really the case actually and and sometimes um that can actually be quite an unhelpful mental model to have because people sort of like you said about the finish line like it's almost like this mirage in the desert that you're always kind of going towards and you think if I can just push through to the weekend if I can just push through to the holidays whatever then I'll be I'll be okay and it tricks you into thinking that the way you're working is sustainable um is if you've got this kind of goal of when you can just completely crash at at some point but it but it's not it's not really to do with that and actually working with people all sorts of different people who who've had burnout but also people who are working at a really high intense level but are not suffering from burnout you actually start to realize it's 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 not really about doing more or less it's um about sort of how you relate to your work and how you sort of manage your energy mm. in relation to it so that was a big sort of eye opener f- for myself um and also maybe sort of diving into the the kind of science side of it i was the the cortisol um impact was was something that surprised me because when you sort of first glance through the studies it can look a bit contradictory because it can look like people with burnout have like hyper cortisolism but also hypo cortisolism and it's actually i mean we can kind of get into it a bit more depth in a bit if you want but yeah it's 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 different at different stages of burnout essentially so like when you're first in the very early stages and you're just like maybe just you would think of it as just kind of super engaged super into your work right then you've just kind of got like a moderate cortisol response but then when you're actually getting a bit over-invested, like sort of, it's kind of starting to drain you a bit, then you've got this um, high levels of cortisol sort of flooding through. It's this sort of extreme stress state. Um, but then when you're already burned out, your cortisol is actually not responding at all. You're in this like mm. flat state. And it's actually more, when you look at the sort of chemical profiles of, of burnout next to something like depression, it's more like people who are traumatized actually 
like huh. it's it, which is which surprised me I, and it sort of again changed the the lens that I looked at it through like it's almost like people have actually been traumatized and they're in this sort of state of just where they've shut down completely in order to survive wow that's not yeah. what I would have expected in mm. the sense of right because my mental model was you know just probably similar to yours in the beginning where you associate and I I mean I associate over or burnout with increased workload yeah. and a sustained period of increased workload without any sort of respite from that. And so in theory, I would I would think if you remove the sustained overworking part of the uh, you know problem, right? If you kind of pluck that mm -hmm. out of it, that everything would solve itself. But mm -hmm. it's fascinating to hear that that's not the case and that there's other factors and then it's you know more associated with trauma than with just pure exhaustion, which is just so interesting. Yeah, it, it's, it was it was interesting to me also because I I thought the same thing. And it's often like when people like have been burned out, that's what they do. Like they just try to kind of like shut themselves off and just kind of just completely just lie in bed for days on end. And then it's only yeah. like after a while they just think actually I'm not feeling any better. And you know, and then they actually go go through the process and have some kind of blood work done and actually start a recovery process. And it's actually a lot more involved than just like you say, just getting away from the work. I mean, certainly in early like in the early stages, like if we just recognize actually I'm, you know, really burning the candle at both ends, I need to take a break. That, you know, that can be effective, definitely. But I'm but I'm talking about like severe burnout recovery. Okay. Um so there's like a spectrum, I guess, of burnout. Like we'll call it yeah. stage one and then stage five. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like it, we probably think of it more like there's four kind of distinct stages in in the okay. literature, and um, that that we go through, and they do all have like a quite distinctive like behaviours associated with them, and you know, physical symptoms and cognitive and emotional um, processes. So, so you can sort of distinguish where you were at on that on that spectrum. Yeah, well, I think the best thing to do now is just dive into each of those stages and sure. look for cues because anybody listening. You know, you could say, oh, I'm in stage one, I'm in stage two, or somebody mm. that's, you know, lying in bed, exhausted from work. Maybe they're listening to this and they're like, man, I'm in a freaking stage four. Like, <laughs> I got to get it together um, and kind of do something about mm. this. So let's start right at the beginning, stage yeah. one, and maybe you can walk us through, you know, symptom signs and then um, practical uh, tools or habits to go, mm. you know, to sequentially move down the stage ladder. So to yes. stage one to zero, two to one etc right yeah definitely i mean i think like it's worth sort of saying that like burnout's not inevitable like you can be at any point on this like on these stages and you're not like just on this <laughs> sort of conveyor belt to burnout like you right. know you, you can get get off at any any time and um and they don't all they're not all necessarily pathological in and of themselves it's more like when they're sustained and like on this you know take on this momentum of their own of going on to the next next stage and but that's also like one of the things that's kind of insidious about burnout is that it these don't actually all necessarily feel bad in the mm. moment like and actually like no. sometimes like you mentioned before like this kind of grind sort of hustle culture like some of these things are actually actively encouraged and like talked about yeah. quite admiringly so um so that can make it trickier as well to kind of pick up on um you know maybe this isn't a path that I want to continue down um, yeah. so yeah like sort of at the stage one call like engaged or in inspired like this is like not necessarily unhealthy in itself it's like it's when you're sort of very committed to what you're doing like you you would say like you had a passion or like a um you know real enthusiasm about your generally work I mean it could be something else but like generally work 
and you're starting to kind of make sacrifices because you want to put that first so like it might be that you're getting up really early or staying late um to get things done um and also something that's sort of distinctive about this stage as opposed to like just loving your job is mm -hmm. that you've got that kind of sprint mentality where you're think where you're conscious of like thinking like I need to get through this kind of quickly and it's very intense but it's not sustainable like you know sort of at least on some level that like this is a sort of sprint mentality so that's so there's like probably unlikely to be any like physical symptoms at that point um mm -hmm. you would more be looking sort of cognitively and behaviorally are there any sort of changes that you could pick up on in yourself so like um thought process wise you might want to think about um are you sort of thinking and like repetitive thoughts about your work when you're supposed mm -hmm. to be can you know connecting with a significant other or like you know right relaxing or something like that um also kind of taking on work problems as personal problems like not having any kind of distinct um sort of delineation between between the two and and not being able to sort of say you know i've done enough of that today i can focus on something else now um and then I guess also like behavior wise, uh, it would be things that you know flow on from that, I guess. So like investing heavily in your work relationships, possibly to the detriment of your other relationships and mm. um, getting very involved in like workplace culture, maybe like, you know, really taking it personally, bringing it home with you um, and adopting workplace culture as like as your own and like really sort of starting to identify with your role. Like because that's like a big risk factor, actually, is, is that sort of idea that you couldn't distinguish yourself from your role uh, you know as a, as a worker yeah. or as you know as a, a leader or whatever it is you're doing like that you can't um extricate yourself and your own sort of needs and wishes for, from the needs and wishes of, of the role so that's like fairly obviously opens the door to being like maybe over committed which is the next stage of burnout okay and th this is like this is probably where people start to like you hear the same phrases like something's got to give like i can't carry on like this like whatever and but but generally they do <laughs> like that's sort of what, <laughs> what you see so, yeah and this stage is like people can stay at this stage for pretty much indefinitely like it, you know yeah. if it doesn't sort of escalate like, a lot of people are just this is their default so like this would be like physically you would feel tired most of the time like including when you're not working you would just sort of generally feel a bit sluggish mm -hmm. um other things like headaches are very common um, sleeping problems like waking up in the middle of the night that's again another sort of telltale cortisol mm. is off sign uh, waking up between two and three seems to be the very common um also like your sort of leisure time is more about escaping than enjoying if that makes sense so you're Never like you, you're having like a you know like a drink after work is is not because you enjoy it it's like it's to calm down and like you know like you're not having a coffee to because you love it you're like you're trying to put yourself up or it becomes a coping mechanism versus a pleasurable outlet basically like, totally totally yeah and like it's it's similar like you know you're not watching tv because you absolutely love it you're, ju you're just trying to escape for for an hour or whatever so exactly what you say like it's it's coping um and you're and then you're just not really enjoying the things that you that you used to enjoy like you're not really having fun anymore so um so those will kind of be their like sort of physical going into behavioral sorts of things um yeah and then like cognitively like this is again like this is where people would actually start to notice a difference and think oh that's not good um so it would be things like your memory's not as good as it was mm. like um you're getting irritable that's always a good telltale sign actually if your sense of humor's gone sort of <laughs> out of the window then that's a big sign that you could be 
getting burnt out like things that you things are annoying you like when you previously would have kind of laughed them off or whatever um you can't concentrate for as long um you think so it's kind of taking you longer to get through get through tasks where you need to focus your mood's generally not very good um and then also like this it's quite hard to like describe to people who've never experienced it but if you have it probably rings a bell like this kind of feeling of being like numb but jittery so you're like you're not mm. at peace but you're not like engaged in something else you're just kind of yeah, yeah. numb it's so that's quite distinctive of burnout and um so i think that would be probably that i mean like if if what's the, one of the ironies is that like the more unbalanced you're getting the less you notice it which is a bit of a cruel mm. <laughs> cruel trick because it's like if you're not you know if you're not um connecting with with people then you're like less likely to notice that that relationship's deteriorated um right. you know and if you're not like doing your usual fitness routine you're less likely to notice that actually you're not as fit as you were and things like that so um so it, it can be quite helpful actually like to listen to friends and family like if they're saying we've not seen you in ages or like <laughs> what's happened to your sense of humor and things like that that yeah you can it can be quite helpful to get a bit of an objective um outside outside perspective um and then the stage three and four is like is really kind of sev like severe like this is you can't really ignore this anymore like you're getting ill a lot of the time um because mm. your immune system has has really taken a battering you can probably actually see to be honest like the changes in yourself like your appetite or your weight um might have might have changed like you know gone up or gone down and um, the chronic sleep problems of well the sleep problems have become chronic you might be feeling like kind of uncomfortable all over like physically like muscle cramps and aches and things like that and often people get like um gastrointestinal issues around this sort of stage hmm. and and also the feelings are now like they're explicitly negative like the as in like you actually feel unmotivated helpless trapped um depressed negative like angry like you know you actually sort of it's there's that that feeling of like you know um i'm a hero for going into work and stay long any kind of buzz you got from that has has, has gone at this point mm. and um and then behaviorally behaviorally this is often when people actually start um taking time off work like they you know they're actually ill or they're just kind of having to stay in bed for the day um yep. you know leave early and things like that uh, and then actually full burnout is you actually cannot carry on like physically or mentally it's like it is like a sort of severe sort of traumatized person really like you you know you've actually people do have things like um blood pressure events and like autoimmune issues mm -hmm. and dizziness like stomach issues like and also severe depression and anxiety attacks and numbness and things like that and and really like are impossible to work with at that point and because right. they, they can't they can't carry on because they like taking out the frustration of people like maybe just disappear often like that's I've seen that more than once actually with people have just kind of disappeared off the map altogether like no one can get yeah. hold of them and it's just because they just cannot face um yeah picking up the phone or whatever so so that's kind of like a fairly depressing tour through like what can happen but what yeah. I would say is that like all of all of these things can be reversed like even the most severe burnout people have come back from um mm -hmm. and you know and you know in a, I know this sounds a little bit sort of um trying to make lemonade out of lemons or whatever but it's but it can people do come back even stronger like they come back with an increased understanding of like their mind and their body and like what's important to them they've got this toolbox of, of things that they can turn to manage their energy 
And mm. also like a lot of these people that, you know, that I've worked with are really successful, like high achieving people who maybe like hadn't really thought of themselves as being having any kind of human vulnerabilities and it and then it does give them an added perspective on themselves but also on other people as well and it can you know it's not always a bad thing to to get a bit of humility even though it's never very nice while you're getting yeah. it but um so yeah i mean the overall the message is hopeful but it's it's very it is serious yeah i have so many questions um sure. <laughs> after hearing after hearing all of those pages and a lot of this is personal experiences that i've dealt with over the mm. year and honestly it's 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 you know again and this this podcast is really just kind of my selfish desire to learn things i'm interested in from you know the smartest people in 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 the space and hopefully other people can kind of take this and if they're struggling as well um i i've i have gone through the series three or stage three and stage four burnout right. over the last year, a hundred percent. I know all of that. And, 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 and I know how that feels. And a lot of that, um, uh, professionally, right. And you know, this is all circling back, at least to me for investing, um, yeah. you know, investing, uh, management. And it's this feeling that the moment I stop is the moment somebody else keeps going. Mm -hmm. which makes it the moment I start falling behind. Yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that, that can, it, it's probably the wrong mindset. Right. But this is mm -hmm. what my mind tells me is, Hey, if you stop, somebody else out there is going to keep going and they're going to gain the edge and you're going to fall behind, right? You're yeah. not going to get as smart. You're not going to learn as much. Like you're not going to study as many companies. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. And it's like this drill sergeant inside of your head. Like the, like you got to keep going. You can't stop because yeah. everything's so competitive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that rings totally true. I mean, and something that I see like a lot of, you know, it, particularly with investors, they do tend to be very competitive, like with themselves and with other people and, you know, I guess with, with the market and things. But um, and also like that, that you describe that almost compulsive consumption of information yeah. and knowledge is a real is a real phenomenon. It's, and it can be there is a healthy way to manage it, um, but you've got to be very intentional about it. It's not it because all of the um all of the pressures and all of the drive is, is like pushing you to as you say be compulsive about it rather than necessarily intentional and you know i know we're going to sort of dig into like what specific um specifically investors could, can do about that but i think that 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 sort of information diet is a is a real is, is a really important tool for for anyone in the sort of investing space or like business space um mm -hmm. to, to to learn how to manage that in such a way that they can feel satisfied that they've actually you know have, have given themselves what 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 they need um to mm -hmm. to be effective at, at their job but not overload themselves um and, and actually sort of increase noise and confusion and anxiety right um yeah no the compulsive thing is is very true and i have not severe ocd um you know it's mm -hmm. it's uh it's a I, I call it my pet ocd because right. it's like <laughs> these little random things and uh mm -hmm. you know there's 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 quite a few but sometimes i think people mistake um you know getting things done and being you know this 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 person that constantly delivers i yeah. think that can also just be sometimes its own version of ocd and mm -hmm. that can sometimes be celebrated it's like oh you know you're always doing this you're always doing this and it looks from the outside like oh this person is very disciplined and it's like yes but at yeah. the same time like maybe this person's struggling 
with the fact that if they don't get this done, right, if they say they're going to get, you know, ship something out on Wednesday and it's Tuesday night and it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, like they have to do it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people see the discipline, but it could just be a crippling, obsessive, compulsive desire. Oh, completely. And the thing is, people have to realize is no one's going to like take charge of that for you. Like other people, it actually like works quite well for other people if you know, if, if you're pushing yourself to the limit, like it's not. Yeah. Um, so you sort of have to be a little bit selfish or at least kind of self-directed to, to walk this back because otherwise people will do it and the world will just kind of keep making demands on you and rewarding you for meeting them every time um, mm-hmm. until until you get to a point when that's actually not sustainable. Um, I think something that can kind of help sometimes is just like zooming out, like expanding your time horizon a little bit so yeah. that you're not like actually trying to like, you know maximize results this week or even this year but over like decades even like I mean I know we sort of (laughs) both been tweeting about like when Charlie Munger had his 99th birthday earlier this year Mm. like I mean he's like a really perfect example of someone who's like been at the top of his game like for for decades like and and he is actually like a, a perfect example of actually what you do well, as far as I know, anyway, um, of what you would do for like long-term cognitive health. Like, you know, he reads a lot offline. Um, you know, he's very much self-directed with his own time. I think I would imagine he's quite stubborn about how he spends his days and like is in charge of his days. So it's a fairly kind of low stress existence. You know, he works with his best friend and things like things like that. And like I know it's kind of like he's a highly unusual person in a lot of ways, but I think like having someone like that in mind other than like necessarily someone who's right in the thick of hustle culture, like he's your like direct contemporary can be yeah. quite helpful in just like shifting that horizon a bit because, you know, not to scare you, but like chronic life stress is associated with poorer cognitive function as you age yeah. um, and like yeah. an accelerated cognitive decline and like even like increased incidence of dementia and things like that. So like you do have like more biological wear and tear, including on the brain. Um, so if you, you know, if you want a long career, which, you know, investors understand compounding better than anyone. Um, then it's something that you sort of should should prioritize now and like try and make a little bit of progress with your, you know, your your healthy routine every day. And like, yeah, maybe like maybe someone will overtake you tomorrow, but see where you are in ten years or hmm. whatever. So I think that that can be just that little mental shift can be quite helpful as a start. There was a, a weightlifter. I forget it was it was it was some Russian weightlifter and he had this philosophy um where you know if you if you go into the gym and your your goal is to do you know five sets of 12 pull-ups or something mm-hmm. um that you should go in and always leave one or two in the tank mm-hmm. right so if you're doing 12 pull-ups do 10 um but then instead of you know maxing out every time you go to the gym increase the frequency so you're mm-hmm. not punishing your body every time you're yeah. giving it, you know, you're, 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 you're reserving some, but you're also increasing the frequency. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of truth in that to burnout where, you know, yeah. again, like you said, you kind of, you kind of pull back and look at 30,000 feet. It's like, you don't have to go 100%, you know, every single day, maximize every single thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, you know, if, if, if you can do 80%, but you can do 80% every day versus 100%. And then you have to take six months off because exactly. you've got no fuel in the tank. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it takes a lot of discipline to to do that. I mean, like that, you know, I'm sure that Russian 
guy like you know he had to be very like disciplined about it and not be influenced yeah. by other people that were in the gym and things so I think that like having a mental model like that is, re is really beneficial. Do you think, and I, 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 I want to be mindful of correlation and causation mm -hmm. in the, in the people you studied and the professionals you studied with burnout, do a lot of them have OCD tendencies, whether it's slight or kind of an intense, like, have you noticed an increased propensity of, you know, this type of person that struggles with it? Um, yeah, I would say yes. I mean, I'd be wary of like, sort of, as you say, like you're saying what the direction of causality is because it's you know as you become more burned out often you can become more dogmatic mm. and more kind of compulsive and things so they right. do feed into each other but but yeah I mean I think people who are able to push themselves and, and actually get something out of doing that and and have in the past been very well rewarded for doing that then yeah they're much more likely to to start taking on these taking on these these habits and sort of unhealthy habits and thinking oh well, you know I'll just do it for a little bit longer and then I'll take a break at some point in the future and that point never comes until you know maybe there's a they crash and have some kind of health disaster or something but mm -hmm. or or make some terrible mistake I mean that's another big risk of burnout is you know you you are taking on a lot of risk that you don't you're not necessarily cognizant of like when your brain is not actually weighing things up correctly um you the chances of you making a pretty disastrous mistake get much larger the further you go down this burnout route and i am trying yeah. to scare you by the way but <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i am i'm a bet you know i i actually uh i thrive on the fear and scare tactics so it's okay. actually worked for me. <laughs> uh, but at the same time i've got david mm -hmm. goggins telling me to wake up at 4 a.m every day mm -hmm. and get after it so mm -hmm. it's a battle in my head um yeah you mentioned you mentioned the um you know, fact that a lot of high, you know, professionals have this and a lot of high, highly successful people. And it makes me wonder, is there an element where, you know, you almost have to do a deal with the devil in a sense, where mm -hmm. if you have this goal, like I want to be in the top 1% point or 0.01% or of people in this field, whether it's, you know, I want to be the best uh, scientist, best surgeon, best investor, uh, best writer. Is it a rite of passage or almost like, again, a deal with the devil where you have to go through something like this, something like a stage four burnout? Um, and I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to give myself a cop out <laughs> for going through <laughs> burnout. I just really want to know like what you think about the sacrifices that the top performers make in, in relation to burnout. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point, actually. And I'd like to think, you know, if you've the devil's on one shoulder i'd like to be sort of the angel on the other, on the other side like it's but it's um i think that like what i would say like uh, to sort of put the other side of that is i would say that there are actually a lot of people who are performing just as well um who are not burning out who are actually able to prioritize their health and their well-being um and their energy management and, and not burn out and so they're able to succeed over a much longer time horizon than people who do sort of make that pact and have like a kind of very short bright career that then quite often ends in you know and not, even not disaster but just kind of like a bit of a flat sense of right. like you know I, of never actually arriving at this destination that you've been motivating yourself with um I think it's much healthier to like have um a you know a routine and like a sort of even a thought process where you actually you're making progress every day mm -hmm. and you're enjoying every day as well like you're not always like having to um you know work towards this kind of future that never arrives um you know without getting sort of too sort of philosophical about it but that's like something that people i talk to with burnout have, have often kind of completely lost touch with what they actually want and what 
what motivates them and like where these sort of desires and this compulsion to keep going is even coming from right it's just this kind of like they're always working towards this thing that's always in the future that never is actually realized there's never any kind of sense of satisfaction um so i would like to sort of propose like an alternative paradigm for high achievers um where like actually there's they you know they're flourishing and like they they've got like a they're healthier in themselves but they're also healthier leaders like they're actually inspiring their team to um to take care of themselves take care of each other um and and achieve these really ambitious goals like that was that was one of the big things that i sort of motivated myself with when i went into this field of study is that i really want to help people you know change the world in the ways they want to change the world and like have these amazing ambitious goals but not destroy themselves in the process because mm -hmm. you know because they matter as, as well and i think that that's one of the flip sides of having a mission you want to be inspired by the mission but you never want to like feel that like you, you know you don't matter relative to it right. and just kind of destroy yourself right. um, in in the pursuit of it so yeah i mean i would like to like one of the things i work with people about is like creating this sort of alternative a way of framing their days and their and their goals uh, so that they can be just as ambitious just as driven um but it's sustainable got it there's one other thing that i'm gonna offer as a pushback mm. um because i because it, again these are these are the theories i have in my head and these are the questions i have trying yeah. to reconcile you know again like the devil on one shoulder the angel on the other um how do you determine the difference between feeling like you need to be motivated to do work versus understanding the discipline required to do things that you might not want to do? And the way mm -hmm. I the way I frame that is some aspects of burnout, right? It's 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 doing things even if you don't enjoy them or kind of just getting mm -hmm. through them. But I I take that and then I think well you know discipline requires sometimes just doing the work that needs to be done without f the need to feel that motivation if that yes. makes sense and so how do you reconcile those two things that that yeah i mean that makes sense completely and i think that like again that comes from having um a sort of overarching uh, vision and sort of motivation for what you are actually trying to achieve like you know in the, right. in the long run and making sure that your daily progress aligns with that so that like you're going to be closer to it in a you know in a month and you were at the start of the month but and I, I think that's absolutely right like you don't want to be relying on willpower too much like you want to sort of just make have made a decision about what you what you want to do and what you need to do to get there and then to some extent be able to do that whether you feel like doing it or not um i suppose where it becomes a problem is if you're is if it's taking you towards a place you actually don't want to go anyway hmm. um and so you're having to really like dig deep and push on and actually essentially what's going on is you're just repressing a lot of stress then and that's what burns you out because you're having to you know everything in you is telling you no i don't want to do this i really don't want to do this i hate this um but you're ignoring it and you're pushing on and essentially your your body and your hormones are just like screaming at you with with stress but you're um yeah. pushing them aside and, and that's what burns you out it's not just like a case of like just going through the motions like when you don't when you don't always feel like it um, but are essentially happy to be doing what you're doing. That's probably mm -hmm. where I would draw the distinction. But it is it is a fuzzy line, definitely. And I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes into play, like you said, like once your body starts sending you these chemical signals, like, hey, man, something's off. And, mm. um, you know, it, 
I, I, I kind of want to, you know, go into the, the, the science behind the body's response to these things and, 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 and why the body responds the way it does. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when, when, when you start to feel burnout, your body sends these signals, elevated cortisol. If you want to dive into kind of the mechanics behind why the body responds the way it does and what it's trying to achieve, right? Because it's always trying to get mm -hmm. back to homeostasis. And yeah. so it'll do everything it can to kind of slow you down to get back to its internal homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a fascinating way of looking at it. I mean, I suppose like I would start with going back to like the definition of burnout, where it's like it's a state of depletion in all areas. So like every all your kind of internal and physical resources have been drained in this battle to, to push on when everything's telling you to stop. Um, and I suppose like one of the things that's like a sort of model that's helpful in understanding that is just understanding what are those key mechanisms between your mind and your body that mm -hmm. come into play uh, in burnout so like all plenty of studies like suggest like a very strong like bi-directional effect like sort of top down bottom up so like you know mental processes can affect your body very viscerally and um you know and, and if you're not taking care of your body that's going to feed through into into your mind uh, and your cognitive processes as well um so i mean i think like like understanding burnout in those terms like it, it is like it's, it's a chronic stress response so like it, it it that's sort of the simplest way of understanding it um and the the mechanisms that operates like are you know th through things like blood flow um neurochemicals like and the habitual connections formed like with with your with your thought processes um and then it becomes like quite a vicious circle like you know because your, your sleep when your sleep's affected um that obviously affects your your mind and your cognitive processes like because that's when you embed your new memories it's when you encode new learning so um you know when you don't sleep well you don't get as much blood to the prefrontal cortex so like that's much harder for your like deliberate system to to function mm. and like and you know be creative and like respond constructively and stay calm and things like that so you've got all those kind of cognitive problems like when you're when your sleep's been disrupted um it's been you know people talk about it as the same as going to trying to work with a blood alcohol level of sort of 0.1 percent so wow it's pretty, it's, it's pretty severe like it, it was charles sizzler at, at harvard the professor of harvard, uh, at harvard of sleep medicine he said that that's that's if you're sleeping consistently four or five hours a night it, you, you're drunk basically you're at work drunk the next day so <laughs> um that's so, wild I, <laughs> I know so um so I like I suppose like that's like one just one mechanism actually that you know that we, where we can really see like how um if you're if you're having this like daily daily grind against the stress um and even that's just, just affecting your sleep then you can sort of see quite easily how that could cascade through through the whole system and that's why mm -hmm. um you know that's why I kind of really do emphasize like people understanding this mind body loop and to some extent it I wouldn't say it doesn't matter where you intervene, but you can intervene at any point in that loop and actually start to have a positive difference um, in the rest of the system. So something that people find quite helpful sometimes is doing a bit of exercise. If they, if that was something they'd neglected before yeah. when they were burned out, um, uh, again, in a, another actually Harvard researcher, uh, Professor Rati has, has talked about in his book Spark, he talked about like how exercise is like a little bit of Ritalin and a little bit of Prozac because it increases your wow. mood 
and yeah. it increases like um you know your focus as well because it like it sends um the blood to to that frontal cortex again so even like actually i've had some clients who, who actually just find being in the sauna has, has had the same effect mm. of doing a little bit of exercise and just with that tiny improvement in the system that's enough to start sort of unraveling that that burnout steady state of depletion you can actually then start to start to intervene um so sorry i've sort of gone off on a bit of a tangent there but that's fine <laughs> that's what that's that's what the podcast is for especially when you dive Good. into the science and stuff i mean i'm i'm all about going down uh on the rabbit hole but um no i mean i think i think it's i think it's important um you know to kind of bring up your body's response and then and then and then different ways of of of, of healing yourself um mm -hmm. you know naturally and so if we can go back to the stages you know one two three mm -hmm. and four with some tools right if somebody's struggling like what are and 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 again like these the these tools and tips might be identical for for different stages but we can go back and 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 through each stage like what are some things people can do um practically mm -hmm. to kind of reduce that burnout yeah yeah so like I think like there's a good place to start is like is to start with a sort of a thorough like you know we can call it like an energy audit of like looking mm -hmm. at like where you are at different times of the of the day like you know start in the morning and like make yourself a, a timeline from morning to night and sort of plot like how you feel like what's your in like what is your energy in different like settings and circumstances and like different tasks that you're doing like so that you've at least got some like just raw data to begin with and then that can be like some a, a way in of it and all, it's a good way actually of like kind of externalizing how you how you feel because i think when you're really in any of the stages of burnout when you're kind of the last person to know in some ways and also like mm -hmm. it's you know it's very hard when you're in that to find the motivation and the energy to actually do anything about it so kind of getting it down on paper like how you're feeling throughout the day um and what your what your sort of energy patterns are um truly like not just kind of what you expect them to be but what are they actually like when do you actually feel good when do you actually feel really really flat um that can be that can be a good start um at all stages of burnout there are some kind of very reliable things that always help a little bit um so sleep like it's, it's kind of boring but that is really foundational like if you're not sleeping well you're not well in the long run like there's mm -hmm. you know you, there's sometimes people kind of say well you know what about margaret thatcher but <laughs> it doesn't like you know <laughs> really like it's um it's not no one's no one's doing well on four or five hours sleep a night in in the long run so i would just say like just sleep more like don't worry about all this kind of optimizing and like rings and heated and cool matches and everything just sleep more like however you do it don't be a perfectionist about it that's a good place to start um Secondly, if you're not doing any kind of exercise or movement, that's very much a surefire way of helping as well, unless you're doing too much exercise, just a little caveat there, like that can also mm -hmm. burn people out. Um, nature is a good, is a really, and there's quite robust research on like how good nature is for healing um, attention that's been like chronically fatigued. Mm. Uh, if you're like constantly having to like manage your attention, like multitasking and like these sort of, multifarious demands on your attention then getting out in nature and allowing your your attention to sort of wander to the natural landscape um is really really healing um 
for for a lot of people like you know at any of the stages of burnout that can be that can be really helpful um so i will kind why of do you, why do you think so, that is and sorry so, sorry mm, to cut you off but like no please that is like the the getting out in nature thing it can be so healing but mm. why, like like why why does the body respond so positively is that is that is that our body's way of saying hey like this is what we were meant to do you know like mm. thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago like we were always outside we were always walking around and it's like the body's way of mm. saying this is what i was born to do i mean it sounds super cliche but i'm just trying to understand why the body loves that yeah, well, I mean, sometimes cliches are true. So yeah. I think, like, um, yeah, I think that that there that is that. I think, like, you know, we we're not our lifestyle is and our work and things are very much set up to separate us from nature, but we're not separate from nature. Like, we're actually part of it, and um, and all sorts of like designs and routines that are in harmony with nature have, have shown time and again to you know people feel feel good and feel healthy when when they when they do that i mean even like really just random things like you know if you're in a room with a with a window or even a blue wall rather than a white wall you make far fewer typos than if you're in like a kind of huh. white <laughs> white that's just kind of interesting things like that and actually if, if anyone wanted to like really dig into like the kind of neuroscience of of environment um i would recommend esther sternberg's work um healing spaces are just it's a just a beautiful book like and it's so um rigorous about like you know what are these mechanisms that are activated when we look out of a window as opposed to like just look at a brick wall yeah. um you know people actually heal so much faster when they've got a a room with a window um than if they're like just looking at a wall or something so nature nature is healing i think it's like it's part of partly what you say like that but i think there are also like more kind of um specific reasons to do with like why it's healing for someone who whose attention has been like fractured uh, yeah. which is often what's going on like with with burnout it's just like you're constantly having to drag your attention back to the task because something else is pulling on it um yeah. and that that's wears you out as well but but i think because of it's quite hard to explain but like because nature has this like kind of infinite horizon and there's all these kind of there's this sort of like there's the general like the sky but then there's also like the little details of like you know the patterns on the leaves and things it's has it's very like it has a very healthy effect on your attention of, of like you know you can let your attention wander to the horizon but then you can let it be drawn into like the sort of detail on something else and these are all kind of patterns and colors that as you say are very like consonant with our like well-being and you know in our natural state and things and it is just i think like probably Kaplan's work is probably the best place to go to look at for directed attention fatigue and the effect of nature um but it's it, like it's pretty consistent that it's and people just people know like it's one of those things that like you know when when we get out for even just like a walk it doesn't yeah. have you don't have to like live in the countryside like literally just kind of fresh air in a, a tree is even mm -hmm. like even like it sounds ridiculous but even a plant on your desk makes a difference oh yeah 100 mm -hmm. i've got like one I've got three plants in here and <laughs> just adding green mm. was a game changer. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was a game changer, especially on, you know, days when it rains. And, um, I, I really don't like artificial light. And so mm -hmm. you know, the light bulbs never come on in my office. I try not to have them on in the house. Um, mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, some, it's uh, some, something that I can't explain, but then in, in one of my, uh this this past year i went on a trip with a friend of mine to uh denver colorado and we Amazing. did you know this this big hike fourteen thousand feet up and um you get to the top of the mountain 
and you just realize like your total insignificance to everything. Right. And I yeah. think that's like, and you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if I've said this on a prior podcast, but mm -hmm. like that to me is kind of that freedom of like, oh my gosh, like it's I don't liberating like, now. Yeah, and it's not it's it mm -hmm. sounds very, like and it's hard because it sounds very nihilistic in one sense where you're like, oh, mm -hmm. like, you know, nothing I do matters, which is also mm -hmm. not true because mm -hmm. what you do affects your family and you know it, it, it has mm -hmm. ripple effects. Mm -hmm. But when viewed in the frame of consequences and the significance of work or you know if i have a report due the next yeah. day you know i'm sitting here and i'm like i'm looking at this whole mountainscape like yeah. my report that's due tomorrow like <laughs> it looks so <laughs> small compared to all these mountains yeah yeah exactly that mountain's still going to be there whether you whether you send that report in or not it's interesting actually like a lot of people mention that and and that feeling of kind of smallness or like insignificance and and you would think like you say like that it might feel nihilistic or kind of isolating but it's actually the opposite like people mm. say that it's actually inspiring and and like they actually feel more connection to other people um mm. when they've had an experience like that because i think it's isolating it's more isolating when you feel that like everything's on you and like the, the most important thing is is the document that's in front of you and yeah you know it, it's that like almost tunnel vision towards yeah, what yeah i was about to say it's 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 the tunnel vision versus kind of coming out of the tunnel and seeing the landscape yeah yeah, totally. So we know that burnout, you know, there's there's terrible things about burnout. Are there any positives to burnout in the sense of how exercise is positive? You know, you're 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 doing micro tears to these muscles and then given rest, the tears will come back stronger and you'll mm -hmm. be able to, you know, pull more, pull more weight, push more weight, run faster. Um, are there any benefits to 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 burnout? Um, I would say sort of no really like as in like you know if once you're actually burned out then it, then it's it's probably gonna like actually harm it harm your like your amygdala and like it sort of causes like thinning in parts of the brain and things so it's, it's not it's it doesn't really work like a kind of muscle in that sense that you're like you're not gonna become like huge <laughs> like from from burnout or whatever mentally, but um mentally <laughs> yeah, i was trying to like picture, picture <laughs> that was gross but um but but i do think like on the road to burnout like there are things that you can learn that are positive like i mean certainly like that's that sort of compulsive energy um and um the the ability to focus for for long periods of time if you can like learn to to channel that in a in a, in a healthy and sustainable way and you actually manage your energy like I, I sort of keep coming back to that because i think that's really crucial like how to like learn how to sort of manage your energy like so you're not like you're not meant to be like 100 percent focused all day every day but it's good to know how to turn that on and off when you when you want mm -hmm. to so sometimes like things like that you can sort of learn on the road to to burnout um and and also like you know post burnout we do learn a lot about ourselves and and what matters to us what doesn't matter to us and you know and how, how we heal what what our mind and body is like and things like that mm -hmm. so i think it can be a good learning experience um but i certainly wouldn't recommend going going for that and then thinking oh, i'll heal heal from it later because it's because it's horrible and it's like it's really destructive yeah. yeah yeah one other issue or not not issue but one other point i want to bring up is the idea of mental toughness mm. and the idea of grit and being being gritty um yeah. and uh the reason why I brought up that that previous question about you know the benefits is um, I have noticed, and again, this is this is my personal struggle with burnout. Um, I have noticed that after coming out of that period of intense stage four burnout, 
um, my mental capacity to um, withstand and kind of endure stress increased. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, you know, I've, my my mental toughness has gotten so much stronger. I can handle so much. That's just something I noticed where mm-hmm. the, the the limits I had, you know, for instance, if my limit was here for what I thought I could handle mm-hmm. after going through that, it went from here to, you know, up here. Right. And again, that might not even be positive on the long term mm-hmm. because then maybe burnout fills all the way up here, which is way worse than when it was down here. Um, mm-hmm. But is there any element of you know, your mind and mental toughness improving in the sense, um, maybe even despite the physical responses that your body is signaling you. Yeah, I mean, that that can be, that can definitely be uh, something like as you kind of get to know what your, what your triggers and like what your thought processes are, like you, you do get more resilient at sort of managing them and like mm-hmm. learning to kind of work, work through them. Um, I'd sort of like, I don't know. I'd kind of question whether that was really a strength because it it can just be like people are actually just getting numb to numb to it, and right, they actually exactly. just kind of become like, you know, used to having this kind of baseline of actually just feeling kind of zoned out and a bit, a bit numb, and they know they can push through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense, and that's why you know that's why I brought it up because I have a lot mm-hmm. of preconceived notions about burnout and 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 grit and mental Mm -hmm. strength and um it's good to hear pushback on why i might be wrong um and you know i that i we've we've spent you know over an hour almost diving diving deep into this and i want to kind of end on 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 a couple things preventing burnout in the first place um i think for people that are listening that haven't gone through it um Mm -hmm. that might be scared of 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 going into it uh accidentally Mm -hmm. or at, at, at some point in the future are there any best practices to, uh, to 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 train your body, your mind, your energy to avoid burnout in the first place? So we're not even in the stages. We're just you know a normal, non burned out person trying to avoid it in the future. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah. So I would say like the first thing to to sort of notice is like if you just sort of decide to make it a priority that you want to avoid burnout, that that's absolutely not saying that you want to have an easy easy life and you don't and you're rejecting challenges or you're like running away from challenges it's nothing to do really with like trying to do less work or like trying to make the world like free of difficulty and things like that so really what you're doing is like you're taking a decision for like so that you can thrive over the long term and actually like achieve more so I think that's like a good starting point to like you know actually define to yourself at least like what is actually the purpose of of doing of doing this um and then like from that I would say then actually like start to actually take some like design decisions about how you're going to spend your day um and obviously in your life sort of by by implication but it's actually like you know maybe like start incorporating some things that you know are um effective against burnout like so like incorporating a bit of nature into your you know into your day or at least into your week um making sleep a priority like get those kind of foundation foundational things right like and you know some exercise um there are also things that are just um good to have as like defensive against burnout so like having a clear purpose in your mind so that you do you're able to kind of call on that inspiration um at, at regular intervals things like single tasking like it's kind of boring i guess but like it's really effective actually in um being able to work sustainably without burning yourself out so you're not having your attention like dragged one way and having to like constantly drag it back if you can like 
how if you have any sort of discretion at all about how you organize your day I would really like say try to make sure you're not zigzagging from one task to another to another to mm. another and like having to kind of context switch all the time right if if you can kind of batch your tasks up maybe like you could do it by day maybe you could kind of do all the same sort of tasks on one day or like or at least kind of put it into like meaningful 90 minute chunks or whatever mm -hmm. that's it that's a big a big thing actually then people find that very helpful like just so, so just kind of setting up like healthy work habits like that I think it's a really good a good start yeah time blocking is huge which I think is what, mm. is, what is what you're referring to and yeah. um Cal Newport has done a lot on this in his book mm. Newport and Definitely. You know, yeah he's great yeah you mentioned single tasking he he's actually in dc he's not too far from me um oh, brilliant. yeah would love to run into him one day but mm -hmm. um you know the the the, the idea of time blocking is important especially now right and and it's taken me kind of an hour to to to, to kind of realize this but a lot of people are working from home and so you have that Gosh, yeah. you know that what used to be you know hey i close my laptop or i log off my computer mm -hmm. at the office leave it there and i come home um and now you're not in that spot you're in you know hey i wake up and you know three steps from here is 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 my office and you know someone that works from home like myself is learning how to create those time blocks um and especially trying to give myself hard lines between like what should be time doing work things what should you know yeah. like time spent with other things and um finding yeah. structure in an unstructured day because if you just start your day and there's different things that you have to do or you don't know what you have to do and then mm -hmm. just taking everything as it comes in like you said it could mm -hmm. be overwhelming instead of saying hey from 9 a.m to 12 p.m i'm just gonna read annual reports i'm gonna read yeah. investor presentations mm -hmm. and then after that i'm gonna go have lunch and then from one to four i'm gonna write or i'm gonna research or i'm gonna mm -hmm. you know take care of emails yeah i think that's so healthy and i think that like unfortunately work from home like empirically has been a disaster for burnout like for yeah. pretty much the reasons that, that you say like people are working longer hours like we, you know we can see that objectively um but also like you say there's just no delineation like if you are working from home you're living at work by yeah. definition so it's yeah. like and so unless you're like extremely disciplined and some people you know they, they don't have a choice but like they do have to like work in their bedroom they don't even have like a separate office or whatever so it's just you have to be like extremely disciplined to like create create those barriers um i mean it can be done uh like like you say like like if you can like if you do have that um discretion over your timetable that's helpful i mean i would say like if you wanted like a kind of thing to thing to prioritize that would like combat burnout i would say like maybe as well as energy um prioritize cognitive flexibility i think like have that as like your goal so like indulge like indulge isn't really the right word but like <laughs> lean into things that like um that are known to increase cognitive flexibility so like reading offline is hugely good for brain brain health it kind of activates several regions of the brain at the same time it sort of makes them work together makes them make connections um meditation is like really you know there's huge amounts of research on like how how beneficial that is for like your attention span and your cognitive flexibility and things so so i would like to maybe take that as like a something to if if you need like a, a mental model of like what i'm actually doing like what am i even maximizing yep i would say co cognitive flexibility is the is the thing to to look at and and energy as well like i really like there's a quote by samuel smiles um, about energy and he says that it accomplishes more than genius but without the peril <laughs> and disaster or something <laughs> like that so it's like i think that's quite helpful <laughs>
<laughs> reading is actually fascinating. I I listened to a uh, Andrew Huberman podcast, he's and great. he yeah he's he's awesome. And um, he he said something about reading which blew my mind. And mm-hmm. like a lot of this stuff blows my mind. Um, and he said that when you read, even if you don't read aloud, by your brain reading the words on the page, effectively you're like micro talking like your mm-hmm. you know i guess larynx or vocal cords are on the micro level like saying the words right. um and i think like at like you can mm-hmm. you can hear at you know fine tuned enough you know close enough you know maybe the microscopic level like you can hear some sort of audible talking even if you're just reading the words in your brain which like yeah completely blew my mm-hmm. mind. And it's, you know, again, it's like firing these different things. So, you know, it's not just, you know, your brain that's getting the exercise, but you know, your mouth is moving and you're trying to process everything. It's just, it's wow. kind of wild. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if what I said was a good representation of what he said, but no, that's true. And like when I, it, it's quite well sort of documented that that inner voice um, like it's quite literal like when yeah. people you know when people are making notes from something they they if they make mistakes they've made a mistake because it of you know they've mis misspelled something in, in a way that sounds like the word rather than looks like the word if that makes sense so they're like they're mm. repeating it in their head vogue sort of with yeah with a voice um yeah. so no it's it's really fascinating and obviously that's even apart from what are you saying to yourself and what what are you reading that's of course a whole other other level yeah, I mean that's a whole. I mean this this could be a six hour podcast if we if we got into all these <laughs> other levels, but we we do have to stop at some point. And uh, there's there's a couple questions that I ask everybody at the end, mm. um, Natalie. So the first is where can people go to find out more about you? I know you're on Twitter. That's how we connected. Um, yeah, you've got you've 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 got a website. Where can people reach out? Yes, yeah, certainly. So I mean, as you say, Twitter. Like I'm on there fairly regularly. My messages are open, so you know, do feel free to to reach out there if you got any questions um and also cadence behavioral is is my consultancy um you can contact me through there as well and that's you can find that on twitter it's cadencebehavioral.com mm-hmm. and i'll put all the links in the in the show notes to your twitter and website Thank and all you. that jazz so Thank the you. last question i have i ask every guest if you could have dinner and this is the first answer of 2023 so no pressure oh but oh this God. sets the stage for the rest <laughs> of the year the quality of <laughs> the right. answer so no pressure. <laughs> if you could have dinner with one person from the past or the present, who would it be and why? Okay, I've, I think this is a really hard question because I actually genuinely think everyone's quite fascinating when you like sit down with them one-on-one and really focus. So like, yes. I would actually be quite happy with a random generator person. But if I had to pick one person, um, I would probably say the cellist, Yo-Yo Ma. I just find wow, him- Wow, that's hilarious. Be... I love that dude. He's so Do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, and I just like obviously he's like incredibly talented, like scarily talented, but he just wears it so gracefully and he just seems like so warm and generous. So I think that would be really special. And if he's horrible, then all my dreams are shattered and I don't. <laughs> well, that, so I'm 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 glad you said him because we've never had that as an answer. I've done this okay. podcast, I think this is my fourth year, third or fourth mm-hmm. year doing the podcast. And we've never had yo-yo ma as an answer so okay. well, i mean you I have you set the bar <laughs> high for 2023 um <laughs> and i don't i don't know if people are going to top that but uh no if you if you don't know yo-yo ma look him up on spotify he is absolutely fantastic yeah um, he's, he's on twitter as well actually and he quite often like posts like you know yeah videos, he's like surprisingly like, active on twitter mm. yeah and he's very like generous he like does like little kind of songs of comfort every now and again and like he was 
you know, the, the pandemic, he was like playing his cello for people standing in line for the vaccine and things. He just seems like a really, you know, supernaturally talented, but just so genuine and decent. Yeah. The Oh, the other thing you get if you follow Natalie is you post some pretty cool things, science related, music related. One of them, when I was researching, you know, questions to ask, I think mm -hmm. you posted a video of some like cellist or something just playing like the cello in the middle of a field. It was like super <laughs> soothing. <laughs> I just like stood there. And I just like watched it for a minute and a half. And I was like, wow, that was that was very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Join me for a bit of music, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, there's there, there there's tons of content like that. Um, Natalie, thanks so much. I learned a ton. I think this is a great way to kick off a year learning what burnout does, learning how to avoid it, learning the signs and signals um, so you can thrive not just today or tomorrow, but throughout the year and throughout, you know, many years. So thank you so much for for for, for kind of dropping all these knowledge bombs. And uh, I look forward to um, just continue our relationship and 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 best of luck to your consultancy and 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 have a great rest thank of your you. year. Oh, thank you so much. I've loved it. Thank you so, so much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Ticker. Ticker.com is focused on bringing institutional-level investment research to you, the individual investor. Ticker.com is powered by S&P Global Capital IQ and has coverage of over 50,000 stocks globally with financial data, estimates, valuation metrics, ownership percentages, transcript filings, news, and more. ValueHive listeners can join Ticker's free beta trial today at Ticker.com forward slash Hive. That's T-I-K-R dot com forward slash hive.